Welcome to the Dadpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Oliveira. I have Rob Jager on the podcast today. Rob, welcome. Hey, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. It's been a while. For my listeners who don't know, uh, I live in South Florida for a long time and uh, worked in the community there with Rob and his wife, Jen, in a lot of different worlds, whether it was the nonprofit or the Boca Chamber. And so that's where I know Rob from. But I really, the reason I wanted to have Rob today on the podcast is because Rob's not only an entrepreneur, uh, a business owner who's really hands-on, but what I've, what I've seen over the years is both Rob and, and Jen grow in so many different ways, right? So Rob is, I would say at this point, he could do sales training. So he's going to tell us a little bit about that. And you guys will be the judge. But Rob, without any, without a, me extending this a little bit further, let me let you introduce yourself. Tell us about Rob Jager. Well, all right. Thank you. I, you know, so to give you the nuts and bolts of who I am and what I've done, right? A uh, little history, very little history, because I don't want to bore everybody. A lot of my history was, and a lot of my experience was in in retail. And so I ran stores that were super centers, essentially. So I got a lot of like leadership experience, but really running business from a financial operational standpoint. And so and then I got into some consulting work and helping smaller businesses really work on how do you make more money doing a little less work? How do you get more productive employees? Those kinds of things. Those are the kinds of things that I was working on. And I ended up meeting Jen and um, ended up speaking with her for a little bit, totally separate from business. And, and she, she, she and I started dating and she's like, you know, I could use an extra set of hands every once in a while. Shoot. So I ended up joining in a little bit with her. Well, one thing leads to another, we ended up getting married and uh, I started joining in the, in the business more full time, but it was scary in the beginning. Right. And like husband and wife, it's not an easy thing to get to and to do. And so, you know, we thought, let's give it six months. And we went six months and six months came and went. We were like, this is going okay. Let's keep going. So that's kind of how it started. And, and right now I'm in, in Plum Productions. With the, we do corporate video production. I do the operations stuff, which is essentially the finances, the, 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 the in, invoicing, the, the, the sales stuff, all the stuff that's outside of the shoot. Um, she takes care of all the creative side and I don't have to worry as much about that. I, I'm extra set of hands when I need to be, but I'm really the, the behind the scenes guy that doesn't do a lot of the shooting stuff. Uh, and that's really what my, my role has been in this business. And essentially that's where it's continued to stay. And it's good that we've stayed that way. There's a benefit to that. What would you say is the biggest benefit of working with your wife? Well, <laughs> so there, there's a lot of, not so great benefits because you do nothing but talk about work, whether you're at home or you're at home or at work, you're just, you're always on. It's always about work. You're always dealing with something. Did you do this? Did you take care of that? Did, oh, I forgot to do this. Can you take care of that for all that stuff happens all day long. And if you're married and you've been in that kind of a situation where you you're in with your spouse, you know that that's the case. So that's one of the challenges. The good part is, is the benefit to us is I have a skill that Jen doesn't have. And Jen has a skill that I don't have, and we like to stay in our lanes. And that, I hate to tell everybody, and because I don't want everybody to know this, but that is the secret sauce. That is the thing that I think makes us as successful as we've been, because she's really good at what she does, and she makes selling the product and, and selling the services and doing the behind-the-scenes stuff very easily, very easy, based on just what what the quality that comes out the other end. 
And I do this stuff that she doesn't like to do. I deal with the numbers. I write the estimates. I make sure the numbers make sense so we can make some profit. That's the stuff that she hates doing and will never want to do. And so we have some success because of that. That's one of the biggest benefits, I feel like. You know, looking at it from an outsider's point of view, though, in the community, when I see both of you, whether it's at a nonprofit event or a chamber function or something like that, is that you guys are a unit and there's a brand there behind the two of you, right? Plum Productions. And so you guys really represent the brand well. And this is something that I think a lot of small business owners lack is the desire to get out there and be the face. And I think you guys are both the face, the faces of Plum Productions. And and I think that that's a a great thing. So is it, is it deliberate? Is it harder for you than for her? Or, or both of you like being out in the community? Yeah, that's a really good question. I So I will say this, Jen is outgoing. She is the type of personality that when you meet her, most people, when they meet her, they walk away, they go, I, like, I liked her. She, I just want to talk more to her. And they think she's her best friend. And, and, and while she walks away thinking, well, that was a nice person, but you know, it's fine. But, but she, her personality is very, very magnetic in a sense, right? mine is kind of like a brown paper bag. You just look at it and that's me. It's boring. So it's very difficult for me to go out networking and she's very good at it. And so to me, it's kind of like if we go fishing together, so to speak, and I call fishing networking is like fishing. She's the bait. She brings them in and then she introduces me. And then I start asking all the questions. I start going through all the sales stuff. And the next thing you know, they're like, oh, we bought. Oh, guess what? That's what happened. And that's kind of how it works over time because she's really good at people understanding who we are, what we do, and being that marketing side. And then I work on getting their problems solved that they're working toward. And it doesn't mean it happens right away either. Like we, we don't go networking and sell. We go networking to meet and, and introduce and learn more about other people. And the more people, you know, the more people, the more business that comes in, that's just natural, right? Absolutely. And I, and I can um, identify with what you're saying because both my wife and sister, they, they don't like being out in the community and they've been in the business for forever too, all of us together. But uh, over the years, as my sister was forced to get out there, um, you know, she adapted and she became a really good face for our company as well. But um, absolutely, I agree with you. I mean, uh, I, I like to be out there. My wife, like, like she likes to do the, be in the back behind the scenes thing. So I could see that about you, but I would never know that about you, Rob, because you are outgoing and you're out there shaking hands with everyone. And I'd say you're a, a big time networker. Yeah, I know. It, it's funny. It's people don't realize because once I'm comfortable in a networking situation and I know enough people, the, here's the trick that I've learned. If I'm out networking and I'm in a brand new scenario where I don't know very many people, I go and learn who the people are that put the event on so that I can learn a little bit about them. They get to know who I am. And then I ask them, who should I meet here? This is the kind of person I'm looking for. Who, can you introduce me to them? And they will, because that's what they want to do, right? That's their job. If you will, they're putting on the event. That's what they want to do. But then once I've gotten past a certain point and I've known now four or five people, now these four or five people, I go up to them and say, hey, who do you want to meet? Because I know I'm going to meet somebody else here. What, who's the best person you want to meet? And then they tell me, well, I want to meet you know, a financial planner. Or I want to meet a builder that does this or what, whatever it is, general contractor. I don't care what it is, a banker, whatever they're looking for. And then I go, as I network in that room that day, that evening, whatever it is, I might end up simply running into that 
type of person that they're looking for and say, hey, you know what? Somebody wants to meet you. Let me bring you over here. Let me introduce you. And everybody thinks that I'm like a networking king. And all I do is listen to what people are looking for and just introduce people. And, and you, you become like this person that everybody thinks knows everybody. And reality is I know what everybody does, but do I know everybody really, really personally? Not necessarily. A lot of people I've gotten to know personally over time, but that's not my natural tendency. My natural tendency is being very introverted and, and you know, that's, I'm not an outgoing kind of guy normally. And I think that that underscores this part of our conversation, Robin, that in business, if you're a business leader, you're running a business, you have to do things that are uncomfortable and outside your comfort zone for the benefit of the business, your employees, your customers, you have to get out there. Because when I hear other business owners who are like, well, I don't do that. I don't go, I don't network. I don't belong to chambers. You know, it's crazy. You yeah. have to, we can't yeah. just you know, do what's comfortable for us. You have to go above and beyond, just like with your sales skills. I know that over the years, as obviously you're director of operations, but you're head of sales and all of that. But over the years, I know you've gotten, you know, training on sales and now it's become like a, a monster of its own. You could probably <laughs> teach sales, right? Uh, yeah. So I've been told that. And, and, you know, there's a part of me that says that'd be kind of fun to do, but then in, then what do I do with the other business? And it's hard. So there, there, that could be an area I explore at some point. But, but I think to me, if you don't, as a business owner, expand your experience and expand your knowledge and understanding of other areas that you're not maybe comfortable in, you're missing out. Um, I learned that, I think, mostly in retail because I had to learn every piece of the store, how everything ran, who was doing what, what time that should be done by, all that kind of stuff. And I started to realize if I didn't understand that, they could just tell me whatever they wanted and I would have to believe it. And when reality is, is I go, no, 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 this is supposed to be done by 11 o'clock and it's not done. How come? And, and you could hold people accountable in from a leadership standpoint, but when you're running your business and if it's just you, that's a totally different ballgame. But if you start adding people to your, to your team, okay, you, you need to understand all these different pieces. You got to get out there and learn all the different aspects learn all the different pieces that are really important to your business. And, and not only that, what who out there can help you with the things that you don't know and let them be your guide as well. That's kind of what I've done. I mean, did I know sales all the time? No, but did I find somebody that did know and help me? Yes, that's what I did. And, and it helped made a huge difference. And with Plum Productions, so you guys do video, uh, you edit video, you shoot video, you guys do a lot in video. Jen herself has a great YouTube channel, which we're going to yeah. post in the show notes here. If you're trying to learn how to do video yourself, I know her channel is amazing. She, I mean, really breaks down every aspect of, of doing video and she's a superstar herself and on, on her YouTube channel. But talk to us in video, what you're seeing today, Rob, whether it's a small business, medium business, what's, what's new and working in video? Like what are, what are your clients doing with all these videos that they're shooting? Yeah. So a lot of, it depends on the size of the company. So obviously bigger companies, they'll do commercials and those kinds of things. Those are not as frequent or as common. What, what we're finding, there's a couple of things that are happening. One is that if you have a salesperson or a person that has to go out and do your do the job, if you will. So if, imagine you're a roofing company or uh, a plumbing company, and you have a couple of guys that do some of the work, people that do the work. And in this marketplace, you don't know who these people are as a customer, right? So some of these companies out there that are smaller, what they're doing, and as simple as holding up your phone and recording a little video at the office and doing a quick little branding uh, overlay to it on different softwares that are out there, 
and, and, and branding it, but basically having that person who's going to come to the house, say, Hey, I'm Joe, I'm going to be coming to your house soon for our appointment. And I'm going to be doing this and I'm going to be doing that. And it's like 30 seconds long, but all of a sudden now your customer is like, I know who to expect at the door and there's not going to be a surprise. And they, they kind of welcome them in instead of this, are you sure this is the right person I'm supposed to be answering the door? Like there's that little piece of, of fear that's out there. And I, they, they, they've accomplished taking that fear away. Yeah. And I, what I was going to tell you, it just reminds me of my air conditioning company. Every time they come out to do a service, they do send a text with uh, not just a picture and the name of the guy, but also like a short fun. It's a fun bio and it's a, you know, yeah. like his kids, his favorite team, this and that, what it does for me as a customer, when he walks to the door, other than expecting and feeling safe, it, it allows me to have a few pieces of conversations to, to just, you know, um, talk to him about rather than just walk in and be like, Oh, go straight to the job. Right. Yeah. You feel like, you know, the person just a little bit, especially when they put some personal things in there. Mm -hmm. That's kind of a cool thing that I've seen happen. So the other thing that I've seen that I find to be interesting is we've started to see a lot more companies, even big and small, starting more like YouTube channels. And or there's, a, there's two things that they do. One is they start a YouTube channel like Jen did. And they're looking at it from a standpoint of, I can show that I'm a professional. I can show that I know my stuff. I know what I'm talking about by providing content that makes sense. People are looking for this content. I can show this. So I go back to the air conditioning company. If, if you have a problem with um, your, all of a sudden your air conditioning is not going cold anymore, what happened? I search online, I find out, oh, well, maybe my drain thing is full. Here's how you clear it. So those are the kinds of things that they're answering. Like, what do I need? How do I fix this problem? That kind of thing is good. And then there's other, like other professionals, like lawyers and stuff. They'll do even somewhat professional. They'll do the frequently asked questions. So what they'll do is they're like, hey, you need this type of insurance. Here's why you need this type of insurance. Because when it comes to this, this, and this, these pieces will all fall into place when we need that, when we need to call on it for the insurance part. So there's, there's avenues that use video that are different than maybe what we would even imagine. So I, I'm always excited with this job because every time I get into a meeting with a new client, they come up with some other crazy idea. They're like, well, I want to create this video that does this. And I'm like, well, that's interesting. Like when we started hearing the things about the, the sending the roofers out and having the little videos at a time, like that's, that's smart. Most people have not done it. Most businesses don't do that. It's not that difficult to do on your own using even just the editing app and, and your phone. It's very simple to do if you wanted to do that, whether it's professionally done or not, doesn't matter. Yeah. That's a, a less um, a marketing tool and more a customer experience, customer engagement, tactic strategy that you would use to obviously increase the lifetime value of your customer. We all want to do that, yeah. especially nowadays when it's so expensive to acquire new customers. So focusing on giving your current customers a better experience by doing a video like that is absolutely, I, I could see how that would be beneficial. So so talk to me about the, the marketing. I mean, you guys do really good marketing I know just from watching Plum Productions and, and you, you're out in the community. So you, you guys get referrals. Word of mouth still works. Yep. Um, yeah. But as far as as you get those leads through your pipeline, Rob, you and your team, you guys are chasing these leads. We all, all chase those leads and, and, and we all have different strategies on how to chase from the from like step one to step 100. So talk to us about like some of the, the, the tactics that you're using that are 
still working that don't depend on just automation and technology. Are you talking in relation to video? Just in relation to any business, right? So you you guys happen to manage your sales uh, strategies in, in, a, in a way that I think is pretty universal. And, and I think it's very customer centric from everything that I've seen. So like, what are some of the strategies that you use from when they come in the door, whether it's a lead on the web or a referral, what are some of those tactics that work and others that may no longer continuing to send people emails rather than following up on a phone call? I, I see yeah. people do that, right? Like, uh, so I called you, I want your service. And then you call me and leave me a message. Maybe I don't call you back. And then now you start hitting me up with emails, but, but you actually never call me back again. It's like, yeah, that, that's crazy. So, yeah, I think one of the things that I, anybody that's become successful in business will tell you that you have to keep following up and, you know, it's the seventh, eighth, ninth time before you actually get somebody to, call, to actually answer the, answer the phone call sometimes. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Because guess what? To me, when they called, they thought they needed our service. But when I called back, they were like, oh, I don't know who this is, or uh, I'll get to it later. It's not that important now. So if you catch them at the first call, that's really important. So be responsive first. And I think that was the number one thing that we learned is, is trying to call somebody back, get them to respond. That can be dicey. You can, it's a 50-50 chance whether or not you're reconnected at all. After that, that's when things start to change. For me, there's a couple of messages that I leave that are interesting that make people want to call you back. So I might call back and say, hey, I noticed you left me a voicemail, um, but I, I have no idea that you ever even needed to call me. I, maybe it was a mistake that you called. It sounded like it was directed to me. Can you, would you mind calling me back and, and just leave my number? And they might be like, well, that's a weird message. But the weirder it is, but the weirder it is the more likely they are to call you back. And I don't mean get crazy weird. I just mean like odd. It's like, okay, that's different. I've even done, I've even done as far as cold calling somebody with a voicemail that I know is their cell phone. It's a referral, but it's a cold referral. They, they don't even know I'm calling them. And I will call them on a cold, cold call on their cell or their, their office line and say, hey, this is Rob. I'm, I'm calling from Plum. Uh, I don't even know if I'm supposed to be calling you, but I don't know. I'm just giving your number. And would you mind... Uh, giving me a call back and myself is the best way to give, give it a hold of me. And I get uh, like myself and they'll call me back almost every time. And it's just being a little bit like you meant to call them, but don't know what you're doing kind of a thing. That's one piece of it. But then the follow-up piece, if they don't call you back, emailing is the most impersonal thing. It'll get lost every time. So you might, you might consider recording a little video on your phone and emailing that you might, but that's not as effective as literally phone call phone call, voicemail. And then after a while, they don't call you back. I've gone as far as just saying, you know, I, I, I've tried a couple of different times here, different places, uh, left you a voicemail. Um, and it's not seeming to go anywhere. Either the number that you gave me was completely wrong. And I apologize. Maybe I wrote it down wrong. Um, but I, it doesn't sound like there's much interest anymore. And, and that's okay. If you ever had an interest again, you know, feel free to give me a call. I don't mind. I'll answer any questions you have. And even just to ask questions. Maybe you, maybe you found somebody already. And you, you have other questions that you don't want to ask them because you don't want to sound, you know, like you don't want to sound Just call me and I'll answer them. You don't have to work with us. And they'll call you back. It's crazy. It's a fact-finding mission almost like, and you're trying to really figure out. I mean, you're, you're, you're being helpful more than anything. Yeah. 
At what point do you stop calling though? Because everyone's, it's different for every industry too. So it's, this is not universal, right? But I can tell you that in the home improvement industry, and I have experience there for over 15 years, I myself had a construction company and I can tell you of multi-million dollar contracts that were made on a, a, a lead that was followed up for 18 to 24 months. Oh, yes. Really? Oh, Alex, that's a commercial job. No, a residential $200,000 kitchen renovation followed up because different life events happen. You stay in front of them. You do the you know direct mail. You do the email, but then you still drop them a phone call every three, four months. Hey, just let me know. We're still sending you some you know offers, emails, this, that, and the other. And then lo and behold, two years later, that person said, okay, I'm ready to do business with you. Holy crap, man. And it didn't take a big lift, a lot of time or effort to nurture those leads, right? Yeah, no, yeah. It, and I think the, the key is, is knowing, number one, I think, is knowing your lead time. So if your lead time, when you get an incoming call to close is typically two days, then following up for 24 months doesn't make a lot of sense. But if you know, right, if you, but if you know, hey, listen, sometimes I can take 30, 60 days before I get an answer, then a year is not out of the question. I've, I have personally, and big companies and big leads that I didn't realize were really that big in the beginning, what I would do is I would follow up every so often and, and I, would, I would make sure that they knew that it was okay to call me. And it, sometimes you would connect with them and they would say, you know, we don't really need it right now. And that's okay. Just listen, I just want to stay in contact because I know sometimes you might need it. And if you do, great. If you don't, that's fine too. That's another piece of just planting that seed. I think the other key that a lot of people don't understand is understanding personalities is a huge impact on who you should call back and who you shouldn't call back, what the voicemail should sound like and not sound like. So for example, if you have somebody that's a, what I, what's, you know, if you know the disc profile, if it's a high D personality, you're going you're gonna to want to call back and leave a very quick message. Hey, Joe, I called. Uh, I noticed you called. Uh, call me back when you're ready. That's all they want. Like, they don't want to listen. They're not even going to listen to the message. They're going to see your number. They're going to call you back. The, the, but the C personality is like, hey, Joe, this is Rob. I noticed you called yesterday at uh, 3.55 in the afternoon. You left a voicemail that said, and a C personality is a very detailed person, right? So you're going to live a lot of detail. They're going to go, okay, now I know who I'm calling. And they're going to feel like this person gets me. I could talk to this person because you're leaving a little detail. And so one time I had a lead that came in, I met with a guy and I found out this guy's got a high C personality, very detailed. And then he's got an S personality, which is more of like a, like a family friends, but also like a, like a person that in, includes his team, very inclusive kind of a person, um, but not really fast at making decisions, neither one of those. So I called him a couple of different times and we met. And I realized this guy is a high C and a high S. We ain't moving fast. This isn't going to close for like six, eight months. I knew it. So every month, hey, how's it going? Yeah, we're working on this. He would have homework and he would get his homework done. I gave him homework. Isn't that weird? I have prospects that I give homework to. And when they, I check on it. Did you get your homework done? And then, they, yeah, I got my homework done. But what, what do I do now? Okay, here's the next step, right? And the more you give them and the more they complete, the more likely you are to get them to close. And so I would give this guy homework over time. And finally, he was like, okay, I got you. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to meet. And we're going to meet with the president. He's ready to go. He understands what we're talking about. Here's the budget. We talked about all that. Let's talk about some more little details. And the, and the president, guess what, is not a high C. He's a high D. So I had to change the way I spoke to him versus the other guy. 
but the way you do it is you, you manage and maneuver through that. You start to learn, here's how I talk to this person. Here's how I talk to that person. And they both appreciate it. No, absolutely. I mean, I think those are all great strategies uh, to use there, Rob. I think that, um, you know, sales has changed a little bit because of technology, smartphones. But I think that the mistake that a lot of business owners are making today is leaning on social media or email or SMS to yeah. close the sales. And yeah, that doesn't really work for most people, even for millennials. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I hear this. I just heard a, read a trend. Some some big CMO marketers said, "Oh, millennials and Gen Zs." They, they this survey shows that like ninety percent of them want no um, interaction. They they just want everything automated. But when you talk to most of them, and when you sell to that target audience, that's not true. They still want the interaction, the the, the person to person, whether it's on a phone call. Well, I think they're talking about in in those types of surveys is sort of a, a very loaded question. And then they just kind of give it like a, you know, rate it on a scale from yeah. zero to five. But again, I know this because I lecture at different universities, Rob. And when I talk to these millennials and Gen Zs, that some of them work for me, intern for me. No, they still want the same things that you and I want. Yep. You yep. know, I think that group doesn't necessarily want you to treat them any different than anybody else. They want that interaction. What they don't want the interaction for is they don't want somebody they don't want to have to talk to somebody to get information is what I'm, what I'm trying to say. Jen is more of a generation X and a millennial combined. She's running that line, right? She does not want to call somebody and talk to somebody. She wants to find the information online, submit a form, have you call her, but does she still want the information? Yes. She still wants to answer the phone when somebody calls. Does she always answer the phone? No, she usually gives it to me. I'll take care of it because that's, she doesn't want to deal with the details. She's a high D she's got an I and a D no details. I don't care about the details. Just, can we get it done? That's what I want to know. That's, and that's why we make a good combination as well. I do the detail stuff. She does more of the, the bigger picture things. And that's why we make shifts and changes sometimes in our business is because you end up with this dynamic of somebody that says, I see the industry going this way. How do we get there? Or how do we make sure we take advantage of that? Or we're in front of that curve? Or here's a curve that's coming, I think is stupid. And we don't belong there. That's not where we're going to go. Good example was 3D. I remember the biggest, you know, I don't know, six years ago, I think it was 3D cameras were out and they were, oh, we can do this now in 3D. Well, she was like, no, we're not doing 3D. You can, you can, you can have, you can have, yeah, everybody's going to wear glasses. Where is this going to be working? It's not going to work right now. This, this, that's years off. If we're going to do something, fine, headsets, eyeglasses that are have it, fine. When we get there, we'll get there, but that's not now. I think it's just understanding uh, um, that you need to meet your customers where they are. I know personally, not too long ago, I needed a water heater. The whole transaction happened via text yeah. message. I yeah. would have preferred over a phone call, but the, the reason I didn't do it, I prefer phone call for sure. But yeah. that day I couldn't because I was busy. The only company that was willing to accommodate me got the business because all the way through the payment, everything yeah. was done via text. Yep. That's it. We had already done our research. So we knew the FB, you know, every question to ask and, and we knew what we wanted. We knew the price point. And then the only difference was that this company could meet us where we wanted to be met. And the yep. other ones were like, no, we, we don't, we don't do that. We got to come yep. out. We got to do this. We got to do that. It's like, yeah. And it depends on what you, you're right. It's where meet them, where the, where your where the customer wants and what they need. That's really critical because if you, you try to force something that doesn't make sense for them, it's not going to go anywhere. But but then on, it's funny because I've told this story before on the podcast, Rob. But then it's funny. I had an issue with the water heater, oh, no. a sensor. 
Yeah. So it's a very, very simple thing. It's a little sensor um, yep. that was tripping the thing and whatever. So I call the company and again, everything was great with them, customer service. So they said, well, it may be this and maybe that you got to get with the manufacturer. And I'm thinking, yeah, I know that's like your job because it's still under warranty. Yeah. And it was weird because this was a different person who answered a phone call, but this just illustrates how if you don't train your employees, I had dealt with several people at that company multiple times and everybody was like pretty steady, right? Like awesome customer service. How can I help you? What can we do? This new person was like, so just go to Reem and this is what they do. And I'm like, wow. So I call Reem. They fixed the problem. They shipped me the sensor, walked me through changing it. Um, Again, all the while, the company who actually installed it because they didn't train this employee properly, you know, and my my neighbor literally two days ago, she texted me and said, hey, our water heater cropped out. Who are you going to go with? I said, well, listen, you can go with this company. However, I did. I liked everything they did. However, when it came to servicing the product a year, a year and a half later, they really stink. You know, like yeah. they, they, they were no good at it. So I'm just letting you know. Yeah. So, you know, come back to, you know, but uh, so, so. Again, I, to me, that just highlights the importance of not, as a small business owner, not assuming that everyone knows what the culture of the business is and the, how you should treat customers. These things need to be written down like a manual. Well, in, if, you, if you think about it, one of the things that when we try to do is, for our business, is if we start to move forward and you say, okay, I'm going to sign the agreement and you're going to work together with us on a video, the first step is what we call a pre-production meeting. We're going to start talking about the planning of the shoot, blah, 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 blah. But in that meeting, we work in there. Here's how we work. Here's what we expect from you. Here's what you should expect from us. Like all these basic, easy to go through. They're not like, hey, we don't do this. We don't do that. It's very like, this works really well if we do it this way. It works really well if you do this. And it works really well if we do that. And it, it just works them through the process so that the expectations are there. The more that you can set expectations early, the better and easier it is. If you bought that water heater and when they bought it, they said, listen, if you have a problem with this down the road, here's what the steps you're going to need to take. At the time, you would have said, oh, okay, not thinking you were going to have a problem. But when it happened, they would say, yeah, here, take out number page number 45 out of the booklet we gave you. That's where it refers to the stuff that remember when we went through that. We said, these are the steps you're going to have to take. How much different would that have been for you? They would have been, you would have been like, dude, that's awesome. All right. I I, and I had that conversation with the rep at the Ream. Why didn't yeah. they put this on their website, even as just an FAQ? Like if this happens, which is a likelihood that it will, here's how you fix it. Step one, two, and three. That would have made my life so much easier. But nevertheless, well, well talk to me, uh, Rob. And I, and I, I know you've got a podcast, the Slow Pitch podcast yep. that's all about sales. Yep. Talk, talk to me about that and what, what it is that you guys are talking about on that podcast. Yeah. So Elaine and I, uh, Elaine and I talk about sales. So basically it's a, a guy that a friend of mine that I know, and, and, and he asked me a lot of questions about sales. And essentially what happened was, is he was like, I need to learn more about this. How do I do that? And we decided to do it kind of via podcast. And so things will come up from him. Things will come up from people that we know. And we start answering those questions about sales. And the idea behind the reason why it's called the slow pitch is because everybody tries to push through sales and try to get them to go through like, come on, you got to buy now. It's the deadline or the price is going to go up tomorrow, all that stuff. 
is is the worst, honestly, the worst way to sell. And it's effective to a point. And I feel like it's it doesn't leave people very happy at the end. Um, either you feel taken advantage of or you feel like, did I really get a good deal? Like I went out and bought a car not too long ago. And after I was going shopping around, shopping around, shopping around, and, and they wouldn't negotiate on anything on this one price. And we were okay, fine. And then I come back the next day in an email and they said, Hey, we're knocking $5,000 off these car, this car if you come back today. And I'm like, there's no way in the world you're going to knock $5,000 off. First of all, you're a liar. Second of all, if you really wanted to sell it yesterday, you would have done that. Like, why are you high pressuring me now, the next day even after I told you no? I'm, I'm not done. I'm not doing it. And, and it just frustrates me. And so when I went to the sales class, I learned a ton. And it's so much like selling how you buy as a person. And not selling how you're selling like you're supposed to sell. Like it doesn't, we don't go through like, you know, you, you know, when they say this, you say that. It's, it's like, think about the personality. Think about what they're asking. Sometimes people ask you questions and, and you're like, well, I don't even know what that question means. Like if, if I'm in a sales call and somebody goes, man, your price is really high. I don't know what that means. Like high compared to what? High compared to the last person you talked to? High compared to what I'm delivering versus somebody else? Like, what do you mean? Hi. And, and, you know, or you guys are doing something different. Whatever the question is, it's, it's, I always question the question they ask, right? All that led us to getting into this podcast together because he was like, some of these things really, really work really well. And I go, I know. And he goes, and some of these, I don't dare try yet, but I know they work because I've heard you do it. And so it, yeah, I've done them all. And, and every time I do it, sometimes things come out of my mouth and I'm testing something and it works. And sometimes uh, when I say things that I know work and, and they don't quite work the way that I was expecting them to, um, you follow up with a little tweak to it. And all of a sudden, here it comes, it's coming right back at you. So it, the sales happen. And uh, that's why we put the sales, sales podcast together. I love it. It's a great tool. I, I listened to a few episodes and I, I liked it that it was short, not like these long courses type master classes on a podcast, yeah. which is crazy. I myself have tried have tried it on this podcast and it it just drops because no one wants to listen to somebody talk for an hour about a strategy that they need a pen and paper for, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a little bit easier on video. Um but one yes. of the things that you talked about in one of the uh recent episodes, you were talking about uh, making sure that you have all the information before you leave that phone call. You were talking about, you know, who the decision makers are, who they have to check with. Yep. And I just thought, again, these are simple things, but sometimes you might, you may have salespeople, or if you're a small business owner doing the sale yourself, you may overlook these things because you're so focused on what you sell and how you sell it and, and what uh, yeah, and, yeah, I, and I agree. And it's one of the things I try to get across to people is um, if you're going to sell, it, you can't look at it as selling what you're doing and trying to push it on people. You have to learn what people are looking for, why they're looking for that. What's the impact on them? How is it going to impact them if they have it? What if they don't have that? And, and what's the best case scenario? What's the worst case scenario? You know, and then you start asking other questions, you know, like, who else needs to be involved in this decision? I mean, I don't know how many times if you're a small business owner and it's just you and a couple other people and you're in a meeting and you forget to ask, Hey, is there anybody else in here that should in your company that should be involved in making a decision before we leave here? And, and maybe for our next meeting, we can have them come with us and just ask their questions that they have. 
you you might have lost that sale just right there without even knowing. And but and especially if you and if especially if you built rapport, I know some not so seasoned salespeople, they feel like, but that person liked me. We connected, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. uh-huh. If, but if it's a gen, they probably felt like connected with Jen. Yes, yes. Yeah. And it's funny because you know, uh, when I went through through my sales training too, the gentleman that taught me, he used to uh, every once in a while in the middle of my meeting with him. Uh, I would tell him about something, a meeting that I just had, and I was telling him about, but I think this is what's going to happen next. And this is this. And all of a sudden he reaches under his desk and he grabs out these little bunny ears and he sticks them on his head. And I'm like, what are you doing? He looks like a fool. He's got these bunny ears on his head. He goes, oh, I just think you got happy ears on. Those are, these are my happy ears. I thought I would listen to some happy talk. And I'm like, oh, so you're telling me you know, I don't have the sale I thought I had. He goes, no, I don't think you do. <laughs> you think you hear good stuff. It's not really what's happening. The happier they are, in the middle of the sale, the worst chance you're going to get to close that is not going to close. In fact, one of my biggest right. rules that I have is, is if, I, if I'm at a, at a prospects or potential buyers uh, location and they start telling me, let's take a tour, let's take a look around what's happening in our, our building or our space. Let me introduce you to some people. That sale's not closing. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. They're just trying yeah. 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 No, I agree with you. I mean, there are certain things that, that, that are a, give, a given that, you know, it's going to go this way or that way, depending on, you know, yeah. um, I, I feel like in my industry, I talk this, talk to a lot of marketers about this is that these days people want to know exactly like, what's your secret sauce? Like what strategy do you use? What tools do you use? Like, what are you doing to drive all this traffic? But they want to know, I, I can't give you all of that. Otherwise, why would you need me? Yeah. So yeah. depending on the business you're in, sometimes they, they kind of, if, if they're really like, you know, been around f- for a while, they're going to want to lead you down that path, get you oh, yeah. happy and then say, give me all the information because I want to make sure I, you know, one thing that I, I don't do, and I don't know, you know, for you, what, what you guys do, but um, I don't like other people using my proposal to just shop against somebody yeah. else's. So yeah. I think that that's a, a key yeah. Uh, indicator too, if if they're pressuring me about getting a proposal and I got to get a proposal, and a pro- it's like you all know, it's, about the proposal. It's funny when I have somebody pushing for a proposal really hard. Sometimes I even ask them, "Listen, I've had people ask me this before, and and it's totally okay if you want this. Um, you know, sometimes you just need a third estimate to put up against the rest of them. Is that is that what you're looking for? And yeah, and they'll go. Yeah, that's what I need. Okay. All right. Let, now I understand. Okay. I'll get you one. I'll have it to you in 15 minutes. Like I can get you a proposal. That's no problem. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm, I, and I'm, and right. I, because I, then I'm not going to, yeah, I'm not going to work on it like crazy. I'll just get my template, plug in the numbers for what yep. you need. Here you go. And I know I'm not going to get the, I'm, I might even ask the question after that is like, just so I'm clear, there's no, there's zero chance of me getting this job at all. Right. There's zero. <laughs> and if and if they go, it's yeah. so it's so much, yeah. It's it's human, right? It's a human thing. Yeah. I mean, you're just just being honest with one another so that you're not, yeah, doing this whole song and dance. Yeah, and then you know, it. it's fun though when they do that. The the last question you should almost ask is say, "Now I, I'm happy to do this, and I'll, I'll get to that here, and I'll be there very very shortly." Um, you can tell that my I take this stuff very seriously. And I want to make sure that we take care of the, the projects. I don't suppose there's anybody else that you know about your vendors or other companies that you work with who might just want to be introduced to somebody else as well as a video production company. 
And because all of a sudden, next thing you know, they might introduce you to a vendor or somebody else, you know, they just know that they have to get a third estimate and their boss has already decided this company is the one and that's it. But they may feel bad enough because of what they're doing to you. They might give you an, another referral. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a good tactic. Definitely. Well, before we end today's podcast, uh, Rob, I wanted to ask you, what tool are you guys using today in your business? It could be in, in the, it, it, for marketing or sales or, or video, like anything. What tool are you using that you think small business owners should know about? Yeah, that is a, that is a, I know it's, it's a, it should be an easy question to answer, but the difficult part of that is, is it really depends on what you're doing in your business and what you're trying to accomplish as to what your tool should be. Um, I, I look at video as a very useful tool. And so one of our tools that we use is our, is the YouTube channel. Jen's YouTube channel has, she actually has two now. She has one that's got 115,000 subscribers now, and one that's almost, it'll be 5,000 here in a month or two. And, and, and all are focused on video related stuff, right? She's the expert. She knows what she's, you know, all that, right? That gets us a good amount of leads. But you know what else gets us a lot of leads? Our website SEO and what it looks like, how it looks different than everybody else and blah, 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 right? That's one piece. It's the connecting and networking. It's asking for referrals. It's a bunch of different things. So depending on where you are and what's happening, those are the tools that I have to pull out of the, out of the bag. It's no one tool that's going to be a magic bullet, which is unfortunate. I would say... If you're an, an, a small business or an entrepreneur who says, I need a tool to help me, what you should be doing is using three or four at a time, measure how they're doing for you. And if something pops up, focus on that for a while. And as that continues to grow, start adding up, figure out what the second thing is and, and do that. Measure all your leads, measure everything that you got coming at you. So you know that you know the number one place we get our leads is this. Number two is this, and number three is that. And then after that, it's like falls off really fast. Those are the top three things I should be spending all my dollars on, all my time on, all my effort on, and max it out. That's really what you should be thinking about and doing. And it's easier said than done sometimes. I get it. And that's where you come in, honestly, Alex. I thought you were going to say spreadsheets because I know you're like a spreadsheet buff. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to no. say Excel. <laughs> all of that goes on my spreadsheet. Are you kidding? That, of course. That's <laughs> yeah. I mean, that goes without saying to me. You probably have a spreadsheet to measure all your other spreadsheets, see which one is doing the best. No, it's a, it's a spreadsheet that tells me where all my spreadsheets are. That's where it really would have yeah. <laughs> Oh, no, I know. I couldn't live without spreadsheets. It's yeah. it's like just it being organized and, and creating all sorts of, because there are so many apps today. I use Zapier yep. for all sorts of notifications, whether it's sales, marketing, whatever, customer service, right? You can tie it all in. So I think, you know, when I think of tools is I think of that. What are the tools that businesses can use today to automate certain processes that sometimes the, the team, it's just human error. It falls through the cracks. Somebody says, why well, didn't do this? Why didn't you do that? Oh, well, because I forgot. And then you could be automating that piece. Like, for example, if we're talking about sales and leads, your, your, your funnel should be automated with follow-up right? Drip email campaigns. And yeah. I, I, I still see so many businesses who spend a ton of money on marketing uh, ad dollars and their automation is just, you know, sort of like, it's a, it's a thank you message. Just thanks for your inquiry and that's it. And nothing goes yeah, beyond I, that. So that's an interesting point because you, you just getting the leads is one thing, but the leads, if they don't close that day, that, that time frame that you expect them to, 
you know, that the, the actual amplifier is that follow-up and that, that process of automating, keeping in front of, making people remember who you are, all that. That's kind of the magic extra that people don't think about, along with asking for referrals. I mean, those, those two things can be behind the scenes happening that nobody realizes what's happening. Absolutely. Well, again, Rob, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I think that we've learned a lot, a little bit about video, Plum Productions, what you guys are doing there. And of course, um, all your sales strategies. Uh, before you know it, I'm sure Rob will have a, a sales course out there for you guys. <laughs> Thanks again, Rob. Thank you, Alex. I appreciate it.